Tournament Poker Edge Live. Hey everybody, welcome to Tournament Poker Edge Live, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com. Killing Bird here with you, and I have Jonathan Ween back for, I think, the third podcast in a row. You are a superstar. I am on fire, sir. (laughs) Well, obviously, you're back because you have progressed to day three of the uh, World Series of Poker main event. Congratulations on that. Yeah, thanks. I go into day three with only 20 big blondes or so, so... Well, the good news about that is it's a good, easy stack to play, right? Yeah, I thought I came into the last level of last night with like a a thirty, a like twenty-five to forty big blind stack, and I found that to be a lot more difficult to play. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it should be easy to play. How was your uh, How was your table yesterday? Was there anybody you knew? First of all. Yeah, uh, Mika J was at my table, who plays high stakes tournaments as well as high stakes cash. Um, but he came in pretty short, and he was the only one I actually played a flop with um, um, that first level. Um, he actually set over set me, oh. but the flop was jack 10-9, and I'd flatted his raise pre out of the big blind with two nines. Uh, he had jacks, and um, the turn came a seven. Wow. So instead of getting like tons of value, it went check check on the turn, and then he like bet real small on the river. Yeah, wow. so that's not so bad. Yeah, so it could have been absolutely awful, but um, he came in short, so it wasn't that big of a deal. And then Ash the Donk, who was a twenty-one year old uh, phenom, I guess would be the word to use from <laughs> the UK. He's like friends with Mormon and Sam Trickett, and basically any type of known player from England. He's buddies with. His house has like three bracelets or something like that already. Um, so he came in with about with about 55, 56k and by the end of the second level had like 200 something thousand. Wow. Um, but he had a direct position on him. Not like direct, but he was in the five seat and I was in the seven seat. So made things a bit easier. Yeah. So you went into day two, not incredibly short, but not exactly with a monster stack either. Did you not really find any good spots to just double up, or you just weren't getting hands? Um, I entered the day with 36k, and I ended the day with 36k, <laughs> but it wasn't for a lack of of trying. I got up to, I think at one point I was up to like 90-something thousand uh, going into the last level. Um, I won, I'm trying to think what I won, um, I had one spot where I had two players that were really tight on my left, and I had the button with queen nine suited, so it folded to me on the button, and I looked, and one of them had 14 big blinds effective, and the other one had 8 big blinds effective, so I jammed queen nine suited, the guy had ace king, and I won that. Wow. Um, but chipped up pretty nicely, like, found spots, post-flop, nothing of, like, huge significance. Um, but yeah, I got up to around 90,000, and then I had a button versus big blind situation with ace-king versus queens, and I couldn't hit. So that's what knocked me down. It was a big pot. It was like a 
501k, it was like 120 big blind pot. Yeah. But based on positions, there was nothing I could do. Yeah. Um, so I ended the day with what I started with, but it wasn't for a lack of trying. Yeah. That actually makes me think, have you been all in for your tournament life yet? I mean, obviously you just said you should, but they were shorter than you, so... Um, I've been all in, like the last level of the night I was all in a couple times, but I haven't been called. Yeah. So. It's always kind of a nice feeling, like you've never had to sit there and sweat the cards. No. No, I haven't had to do that. I've just been, you know, it is what it is. I keep getting knocked down. I did five bet jam the first level of yesterday with queen five suited. Wow. Um, against Ash. Was it just like a dynamics situation where yeah. you just kind of knew? Yeah, Ashley followed me on Twitter the day before, uh-huh. and so I knew he had done his research enough to know who I was, but I don't know if he knew that I knew that he was following me on Twitter, and <laughs> right. he was being extremely aggressive, so I knew he was good, I knew he did his homework, um, and he raised blinds were 255 I guess he made it 1300 I made it 3K. Um, he made, I made it 3100 He made it, like, a little over 8000 and I jammed for, like, 32000 Nice. And he insta-folded, and I showed the queen five of hearts. <laughs> um, but the dynamic was he was so aggressive, and he knew who I was, so he knew I'd be three-betting light, so he could right. four-bet light. Did you find yourself tweeting differently because you knew he was following you and at your table? Um, I try not to tweet about what I've done at the table too much. So I just basically... You never know who's following you on Twitter or right. what it could be. So I just kind of keep it basic. And Yeah, because I guess now that I think about it, most of your tweets have always just been chip count updates, essentially. And yeah. The, you know, the occasional whimsical comment, but... But nothing where it's like, I'm going to three-bet this guy the next time he raises or something. Yeah, no, I don't. I try not to give away too much. Like, I'll say I got set over set, like I did yesterday, because it was such an obvious spot that I got set over set. Right. So it just didn't matter. I mean, everyone at the table knew I had, I had a set. It's kind of interesting how in this day and age you can do so much research on your opponents. I mean, it wasn't that many years ago where you just had to go find out who was sitting at your table on the day that you went to go sit at your table. Yeah, I actually... A player at my table, when I was doing research, I found out he had, like, stolen from a charity. Oh, wow. So, when I did... It's amazing what you can find. I found out everything about everyone at my table. I knew, like, Mika J's stats for March 2010 in cash games and found out this guy stole from a charity. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny. I just walked out back of the house and uh, Joe Searock, who's uh, crashing with us for a few nights, is out there listening to a podcast that one of the guys at his table for day three is on, so he's out there listening and researching. So it just made me think how funny it is that you can literally find out everybody's complete resume yeah. going uh, into the next day. Ashley um, found a sample of my training video. Oh, uh, really? And actually said when the day was over, he was telling me, he's like, yeah, it was a spot where you just called with a straight and you induced a bluff, and um, you, like... Check called the river in a spot where, like, the guy could have a flush and have you beat, but more than likely he's going to be bluffing, and the guy turned top pair into a bluff, and I said to myself, oh, crap, this guy's going to give me trouble. <laughs> so it felt good to hear that. But, yeah, people find out everything. I mean, yeah. he knew he knew all my scores. That's funny. It's sick. It's a new world. 
So speaking of table draws, um, have you looked up your table draw for day three, and how does it look? I, I did a, a real quick glance. I didn't do research. Yeah, obviously we still have, for those listening, we're still about 24 hours away, I guess, from the start of day three, so yeah, you still got some time to do some research, but nobody you recognize? Or? There was no one that I, I immediately recognized, and to be honest, it looks like my table's going to be pretty quick to break, mm-hmm. and I have 20 big blinds anyway, so yeah, um, my stack plays the same regardless. At this point, I think it's pretty good to draw a table with nobody you immediately recognize because there's still a ton of sickos in the field, obviously, and a lot of the fish have been weeded through. So Yeah, my table yesterday kept getting harder. Like, I had a French pro immediately on my left. I, I had Alex Gomez. Oh, i got to tell you about the Alex Gomez hand. <laughs> hand. I'm sorry, Brazil. <laughs> um, I owned him. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think what blinds were. Had to be 400, 800, I would say. Maybe less. Maybe less. Had to be right before dinner. Yeah, because I was bragging about it on dinner and we were going back to 500, 1K. <laughs> so 400, 800. He makes it 1,900. Uh, I defend the big blind with ace jack offsuit, which is probably ahead against his opening range. Um, he opened from like mid to late position. I defended with ace jack. The flop was ace, nine, five. One club. I've got the ace of clubs. Um, ace nine five. Uh, I check. He bets twenty two hundred. I call. Uh, turns a deuce of clubs. I check. He bets thirty five hundred. I call once again. Going to evaluate the river. Probably check call the river against him. Um, just because I know he's so aggressive. Um, even though. Uh, Brazilians, they've known that they've been so aggressive for so long, so they've kind of like tailored it back, which right. is frustrating for us because we, once we have an image of someone, we <laughs> we like assume, like we always assume Brazilians are going to bet all three streets, but now they've gotten really, really good, and they like know their image. Right. So it's tough. But I call the turn, and I'm like planning to call like a decent-sized bet on the river. Um, the river brings a, a club out there, so... It's like a middle-ish club. I forget what it is. But the board looks like... It's like ace, nine, deuce, five, six, or ace, nine, three, five, six. But there's three clubs out there, two spades. Um, So it looks pretty scary for, like, straights and sets for me. So I check, thinking that I'm going to bet the river, thinking that I'm going to call the river, and he bets 12K, which is huge at this point. Wow, yeah. So when he bets 12, uh, originally I was just going to call like a bet of 5K, but he bets 12, and I'm like, he has to have two pair or a set here. And I'm like, he can't really have aces or nines. I'm like, so he's either got like a low set, top two, ace, king, ace, queen. I'm like, no matter what, I'm beat here, so I can't call. So I'm like, oh, I should fold. And I'm like, how much is it? And they're like 12 and a half. And I'm like... It happens. <laughs> <laughs> I jam. Because he has... I have minimal fold equity. I've got, like... He bets 12K, and I've got, like, 34K left. I think I chipped up to, like, 60K or something, like, 50-something K before the hand, dude. Yeah. Um, so he knows that I know that I have minimal fold equity, and he knows that his value bet looks super strong. Right. So for me to come over the top of him... He, like, could fold smaller sets. He's definitely 
definitely can only call with like a really strong set or a flush, and I the ace of clubs for the blocker nuts. Right. And I could easily have backdoored. Like, my ace-jack offsuit could easily be ace-jack of clubs. Right. Um, yeah, your line definitely looks really strong. I mean, so check, check raising the river with no fold equity. Yeah, I mean, or minimal, minimal fold minimal, equity. Yeah, I should say no. But yeah, it was, it was really funny because I like, I gave verbal tells on the river before I decided to act strong in jail. I was like, how much is it? And I'm like, oh. And then I'm like, wait, I can jam here. I'm all in. <laughs> he tanked for a long time and then uh, folded. And then um, he was he was asking me, like, what did you have? What did you have? I need to know. He's like, I'll tell you after. So he busts. And he's like, John. He's like, what did you have? I'm like, he's like, did you have it? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you had it? And I'm like, no. Nah. <laughs> so then I took him aside and told him why I did it and whatnot. He's like, oh, it's, that was sick. Did he say what he had? Uh, he had t- he flopped top two. Oh. Uh, wow. Which top two is the same as like ace, king, or ace, queen there, I think. Right. So. Yeah, that's a sick yeah. spot. Yeah. That, I mean, I couldn't, I really didn't have hands the entire tournament. Um, so I just kind of had to make do with with what I had and, you know, take advantage of that. I did finally get a pocket pair above Jack's um, <laughs> late in the day, too. Uh, but the stacks, I had such a short stack at that point, I actually didn't get action on, on it. But felt good to actually get good good cards for once. Yeah. But I actually think it's much easier to play poker when you aren't getting big hands because your hand, you know the value of your hand post-flop. Like, right. you know if you have 10 jacks suited and you flop a flush draw, you know where you're at in the hand. Where you flop top pair, you're like, okay, it's mediocre. Um, I've got a mediocre kicker here. Uh, let's see what happens. But, like, if you have queens on a jack-high flop, you're like, i got to get it in. Right. So it's actually been, even though I, I don't have that many chips, it just seems like it's been easy cruising. Yeah. So what's the plan for day three, uh, which hopefully not too many of our, your competitors will listen to this, but <laughs> I uh, guess your plan's probably not a huge secret anyway with 20 big blinds. I mean, yeah, with 20 big blinds. First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to pack everything tonight. <laughs> Take I'm it all to the Rio with you. Taking it all in the car with me. If I bust, I will drive the car back and someone will drive me to the airport. Yeah. Because, I mean, more than likely, I'm going to be either doubling up to 40 big blinds or I'll be out. Yeah. I mean, within the first hour, I would assume um, someone opens. I'm gonna three if it, my only options are three bet jam or fold. Right. Um, and I mean, really, that's the only strategy. It's interesting though, because obviously twenty big blinds feels really short. But if you do double the forty, the the levels are so long that all of a sudden it goes from a one hour day to like potentially an eight hour day <laughs> before you even ship your chips in again. Yeah, exactly. If I double it once, I'll be fine. Um, I'm trying to be realistic about it and, like, looking at flights just in case yeah. and whatnot. But if I, you know, if I do find that double up, I'll, I'll be fine. I'm okay with being patient. I've tried to be patient the entire tournament for, yeah. for once. Well, we've all seen many times how the chip leaders on day three and four and stuff usually don't end up winning the tournament. It's the guys who just grinded their way for a long, long time and then went on a heater at some point and picked up a bunch of chips. Yeah, I've... Honestly, made very few mistakes. Uh, I made one mistake yesterday where I could have folded, but it was tough. I opened, and a guy jammed 13 big blinds, and he was really tight, and I had ace-five suited, where I could have laid it down. 
but I just didn't. Right. That was my one mistake uh, yesterday. But I don't think I've really been making too many mistakes. I've been, you know, exercising pot control and whatnot. So, well, cool. Well, excellent. Well, good luck in day three. We'll obviously be sweating you on Twitter and whatnot, so keep us updated. Hopefully you won't be going to the airport tomorrow. <laughs> With if, any luck. I mean, if not, there's a perfect, perfect air... Uh, it leaves at, like, 10.30, and I can upgrade the first class for, like, another 100 bucks. Oh, nice. So... I sleep all the way home. Yeah, I'm going to sleep all the way home if I bust. So, if not, the flights are so expensive on Friday and Saturday for some reason, I don't know what I'll do. So, i got to make sure that... <laughs> <laughs> Either bust fast or accumulate a bunch of chips. Yeah, exactly. Which I guess are really your only two options anyway, so... Yeah. Cool. Well, once again, good luck. Thanks for joining us on the TPE Live podcast, and we'll see you all very soon. Nothing to eat.